Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a message from Sunday, June 24th, North Shore Vineyard Church. This is part 20 in our series on the Gospel of John. Today's message is entitled, The Body and the Blood of Christ. In this message, we're looking at a very controversial saying of Jesus, how folks responded, and what the heck Jesus was talking about. Just a reminder that this Wednesday night, we have Abba's Child class starting for the women of North Shore Vineyard. It'll be uh, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and that'll go on for about eight weeks, so hope you women folk out there can make that. We've got a few other things coming up, so check them out at northshorevineyard.org. So stay up to date on all things North Shore Vineyard. Well, let's head to the talk. Downtown Covington, Louisiana, North Shore Vineyard Church. We're in the Gospel of John. We're in part 20. So if you have your Bibles or... We've got some Bibles up there if you need some, need one, or you can just listen to my wonderful, my wonderfully golden voice read. (laughs) Today we come to John chapter 6, verse 47. 47, where is it in this Bible? All right, here we go. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which people may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Very truly I say to you, unless you eat, this fle- eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the fa- living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum. Now, I have to be honest with you this morning. Um, I have never heard a message on these words of Jesus in all my years in church, Um, at least not the eating my flesh, drinking my blood parts. Um, and I got to say, if we weren't committed to going through the Gospel of John verse by verse, I'd probably skip this one because it's, you know, like I, I'm, I'm cool with the Jesus healing people, uh, telling people to love God, love your neighbors. It, but I got to be honest, even this far removed, it, it's kind of, that's kind of difficult. Like I don't see people putting that as their life verse. Um <laughs> It's interesting to to note in this story, Jesus 
If we rewind just a few weeks ago, we saw Jesus feeding the 5,000 by multiplying the loaves and fishes out in the wilderness. And, and it's, there was like 5,000 men. So this isn't counting women and children. So there could have been 8, 10,000, 12,000 people that got in on that miracle. So we're talking megachurch, right? Things are good. It said at the end of that miracle, they wanted to make Jesus king. And I can imagine Peter and John saying, this is it, hot dog. We didn't know what we were getting into when we left our fishing business. But man, this thing's going somewhere and we're on the inner circle. This is great, man. And then at the height of Jesus' popularity, when it's like going great, he says, all right, eat my flesh, drink my blood. <laughs> what? <laughs> he, we'll find this out next week, but he immediately thinned out the crowd of thousands to 12. <laughs> now, in my years in ministry, I've been to lots of workshops and seminars and, and classes on church growth. That's been the, 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 all the rage for the past 30 or 40 years. And, and, and church growth is, is basically you got to figure out, you know, some, some, some things to work to, to get your church to grow. And so, in, in a sense, some of that can be very healthy. Jesus wasn't following that, though. <laughs> Like Jesus is kind of writing a book of how to how to thin the crowd out. Maybe we need to do that here when we start running out of space. You know, just bring up a couple of messages like that. I'll thin it out. No, I, I can do that on my own pretty good. Um, <laughs> uh, Jesus, like, what are you doing? Actually, we're going to find out next week. Jesus' question to them is, you guys want to leave me too? <laughs> They're like, dude, where else can we go? <laughs> You have the word of life. Now, is, is Jesus, you know, I know I've noticed a, a trend with Christians over the years that a lot of times Christians like to take one little verse and, 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 and make it say something that it never said because they take it out of context. If you take this verse out of context, you would think Jesus is saying cannibalism, Christian cannibalism. It's, it's okay. <laughs> like eating a person is acceptable for a Christ follower. Let me clear something up. That's not what Jesus is saying here, okay? Um, why, why you got to go there? <laughs> like some people don't know when to stop, right? <laughs> yes, it would. It would. Uh, <laughs> it's important to see, if we're going to get the meaning of these, these, these rather provocative words of Jesus, it's important to look at them in the context. So on your bulletin this morning, I've got just a list of things that, that are references to Jesus up to this point in John. So the first one we see, John 1.1. 1, 1. Jesus is the word of creation. So in the beginning was the word. We said that this kind of sounds like Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was was God. We find that Jesus was part of, of creating all that we see. He was intimately involved with the Father in, in creating the whole universe. And then in John 1, 4 and 5, we see that Jesus is the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness cannot overcome it. We see in John 1, 14, that Jesus is the incarnate word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or as Eugene Peterson says, Eugene Peterson says in the message, the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. I like that. 
God, God wants to, the, the very thing that God would say, that the creative word that, that made the whole universe takes on flesh and blood and moves into our everyday, ordinary reality. I could just preach on that. But uh, John 1.14, we also see Jesus is the glory of God. If you look all throughout the Old Testament, the, the glory of God was scary. You, you only approach the glory of God with, with much fear and, and pomp and circumstance and making sure you had everything right or you would be smitten, smoked, you'd struck down. It'd be bad. But we see Jesus as the glory of God, God stepping into our world. We, we see the glory of God now. It's not removed on a mountain, not far away. Now God's glory is, is stepping into the place where we live. God's becoming approachable. We see Jesus as the Lamb of God. John 1, 29. John the Baptist is baptizing people, and Jesus comes down to, into the Jordan River to get baptized. And what does John say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's all kinds of imagery here. In the Old Testament sacrificial system, there was the Day of Atonement where a lamb was sacrificed for the sins of all of Israel. There's the, the ongoing sacrifices that happen in the temple every day involving a lamb on, on some of them. Then we see on the Exodus story, what is the final miracle that breaks them out of Egypt? It's Passover. And Passover was basically God said, I want every family to take a young lamb and slaughter that lamb. You're eating that lamb for dinner. Hopefully you didn't make friends with it. And, uh, and then you're going to take a little bit of that lamb and put it uh, the, the blood and put it on the doorpost of your house. And that night, the angel of death passed through all of Egypt. And anywhere there wasn't blood on the doorpost, the, the firstborn were taken. That, be, that was the final thing. In, in essence, the blood of the lamb caused death to pass over. And so John, when he sees Jesus coming down, the, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins, not just of Israel, not just of the Jewish people, not just of the, the, the priest, but the whole world. One of my favorite authors put it this way. He says, it's, it's blood on the doorpost of the universe. I like that picture. What Jesus is going to do on the cross is blood on the doorpost. Of the, death will pass over all those who believe in him. Then we see in, in, in John chapter 2, Jesus is comparing himself to the temple of God. The temple of God in, in Jerusalem, that was the one place on earth where God's presence dwelt. And Jesus is now saying, I'm the intersection of heaven and earth. I am the one place on earth. If you want to find God, you don't go to a building. You don't go to a sacred mountain. You go to me. We see in, in John chapter 4, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. We see Jesus as the prophet. He reads her mail. We see in that same chapter, Jesus says, I'm the water of life. You drink this water, you're going to be thirsty in a couple of hours. But if you drink the water I give, it's going to bubble up like an artesian spring, like we got over in Abita, <laughs> to everlasting life. Then we see Jesus in John chapter 4, 46 through 54. In John chapter 5, we see Jesus, the healer, the one who meets us in, in, our, in our sickness, in our disease, and, and he brings healing. In John 6, we see Jesus as the God who feeds the children of Israel in the wilderness. What's that sound like? Sounds an awful lot like the Old Testament. Jesus feeds people miraculously by multiplying loaves and fishes. 
And then right after that, we see Jesus as the God who brings his people through the storms. The disciples are trying to cross back over the lake. There's storms happening, and they're terrified. And all of a sudden, they see Jesus taking a stroll on the water. And they let him into the boat, and all of a sudden, the the seas calm, and the boat gets over to the other side really quick. And then finally, we see Jesus as the bread of life. In John 6, 35. So we see all this. In, in a sense, Jesus is, is, is saying, I'm the substance of what all those signs from the Old Testament were pointing to. Uh, the, 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 the sacrificial system, the prophets, they all find their fulfillment in me. So it's from that point that I think we can come to these verses today and we can kind of get what Jesus is saying. He's not saying Christian cannibalism. There's no point where he actually gets the disciples to, you know, bite on him. (laughs) That would be weird. What is Jesus saying? Well, I believe what he's saying is that we need to internalize the life and message of Christ. a, a, A few verses back, the people that were demanding a sign from Jesus, they're like, you know, show us a sign. He's like, dude, I just showed you the sign. It was feeding, you know, thousands of you in the wilderness with a sack lunch. They're like, well, we want to see something else. How do we do the works of God? And what did he say the works of God was? Doing the works of God is believing in the one God sent. Believing in Jesus is the work of God. But understand, believing in Jesus is not intellectual assent. That's not what Jesus is after. He's not saying, just know the right doctrines. Don't just just know the right creeds. No, he's not saying that. It it has to be internalized. It's got to become a part of you. It's kind of like taking food in and chewing on it and letting it nourish your body until it becomes a part of you. Now, I I led worship on guitar this morning. I, I started playing guitar about 19 years ago, right after I became a Christian. I'd played piano for years before that. But when I first got... To, to start playing the guitar, that was kind of difficult. Has anybody tried to start playing the guitar before? How many of y'all still play guitar? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Statistically, that's like about 2 and 20, I think. Uh, a lot of people like the idea of playing guitar. I want to be a guitar player. I love guitar music. You know, free bird, right? <laughs> but actually, taking the time to learn to play guitar, it's hard. It was a lot harder in, 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 in one sense than playing piano because it hurts your fingers. It actually, it actually like changes, the, you know, my fingers, they, they look strange on the tips of them now after playing guitar all these years. But, but when I first started playing, it was awkward. You know, you're trying to push down the chord, your hands cramping, your, your fingers are getting all blistered and sometimes cracking open and, and then trying to do this movement while you're holding a chord. It's, it's awkward. It's strange. It doesn't sound like music for a while. And I remember, like, it took me a, about three months of learning just a couple of chords, and I finally got them down. And, and, and then after about six months, it started to get a little bit easier. But then I remember I tried to start singing and playing the guitar. <laughs> and, and so as long as I'm holding a, a chord, it's, it's going good. I'm singing, you know. <laughs> Uh, I have decided to follow. Then I have to change chords and then I'd have to stop. (laughs) It was awkward. It it, it didn't make sense. It, It wasn't fun to listen to. But bit by bit, I stuck with it. And after a while, the, the, the rhythm became more fluid. After a while, 
uh, I, I could I could sing a, a simple song without having to stress out too much about where to put my fingers. My there there it became mapped out in my mind. You know they say actual physiological changes begin to happen in your in your brain, and so the neural pathways they all line up. Your muscle memory begins to happen, and it just starts becoming natural. You don't have to think about it at all. I heard somebody explain it like this recently. Any kind of discipline, whether it's athletics, even brushing your teeth. Uh, anything that requires skill. Most of y'all don't remember how hard it was to brush your teeth when you first started. But if if you want to remember how hard it was, try brushing your teeth with your opposite hand. Like go home and try to brush your teeth like with my left hand. It's like <laughs> it's it's not fun. Yeah, it's 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 awkward. Why is that? Because it's just become normal now. This is the process. You start out by being unconscious and incompetent, unconscious incompetence. So like when you first come to brushing your teeth or playing the guitar or trying to play basketball, it's unconscious incompetence. You don't even know what you don't even know. (laughs) You're just completely novice. Then it goes to conscious incompetence. All of a sudden you realize, wow, I'm starting to realize I don't know anything, you know? Like, this, there's a lot more to play in this, this guitar than I thought. There's a lot more to brush in my teeth than I thought. Then, if you stick with it long enough, it becomes consciously competent. That's the point where you know what you're doing, but you still have to think about it. Um, if I, I like playing the drums, but I'm kind of in that consciously competent stage right now. I have to really think about what I'm playing. It's not real natural. And a lot of times it's not real fun to listen to. But uh, it's, well, it's not, it's something, the, the memory freezes up. Sometimes the screen gets blank, you know, the little swirly ball comes up for Mac people and then the hourglass for PC people. Um, but then the final stage, really where you want to get with music is where you become unconsciously competent. What's that? That's where I'm playing the guitar and I'm not even thinking about the chords I'm playing. It's just coming naturally. And most of y'all, I hope in this room, you've you've gotten to that place with brushing your teeth. You're not having to think about like, you know. (laughs) Actually, it's getting pretty easy with the little motorized toothbrushes now. Nobody even has to learn. Bunch of slackers. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think what Jesus is getting at when he says knowing uh, doing the work of God is knowing Jesus. He's saying it has to be internalized. I'm not looking for you to know the right answers on political issues and doctrinal issues and knowing how you can argue your faith with other people. There's lots of people who know how to do that, but they don't know Jesus. Right. Maybe you've been one of those people. Maybe you've been around them. I've been that person before. I knew all the answers, but I wasn't abiding in Jesus. I wasn't internalizing the love. See, what God wants to do, the, the same way Jesus was the word incarnate, the word made flesh, Jesus wants us to be like that. He he doesn't want us to just know the right answers about love. He wants us to become love. He doesn't just want us to know the right answers about peace. Like, oh, I know the scriptures about peace. You know, God will give you peace that passes understanding. No, he wants you to be that peace that passes understanding. 
God doesn't want you to just know theoretically how joy happens and because you heard some good messages on TV about, oh, yeah, I love the way that pastor talks about joy. That's awesome. I, I can quote that stuff. No, God wants you to become the presence of joy. That when people look at you, they don't just look at you as Bible answer, man. They look at you as a person who, who has this stuff. There's something different about the way you live your life. And it's not theoretical. Because, you know, I can get around people who play music and it takes a lot of thought. And you can tell. Like, man, they're, they're playing this song, but they're, they're stressing out about it. They're, they're anxious. But you see, you know, I, I, one of my favorite albums I got recently was this album called uh, The Goat Rodeo Sessions. It's um, this guy, a mandolin player for uh, Chris Steele, who used to play with Nickel Creek, Yo-Yo Ma, uh, and like these four guys who were like sickening virtuosos. But what, when I just was watching a clip of them last night. And what's amazing when you're watching them, they're like the most relaxed people in the world and they're playing the most difficult music in the world. <laughs> it's like they're playing the stuff that looks so hard. And when I think about it, it, it makes my brain cramp. But they're just... Why? Because they've internalized it. They're not even thinking about the next thing. They are free to interact with the music. See, that's the big thing. I tell worship leaders all the time when I do little clinics on leading worship. The point you want to get is to where you don't have to think about what you're playing so you can be free to think about what God's doing. So you can be free to go where he's leading. Maybe God will take you improvisationally off the script. That's great. But you're not going to be able to do that unless you are, what did I say, unconsciously competent. Jesus wants us to internalize the life and message. We do that by feeding on his presence. You know, you can read the Bible without feeding on God's presence. You can do a lot of religious activities without feeding on God's presence. And it'll, it'll, it'll maybe make a difference on the outside. But, but, but taking God in, consuming him, looking to him as, your, as living water, as bread, as life. The second thing I want to say is, I believe this is John's rather artful way of, of hitting on the doctrine of communion. John, as opposed to the other Gospels, he, he's a bit more of an artist. He, he definitely, there's an art to the way he put together the Gospel of John that you don't see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I believe, I believe Jesus said these words, eat my flesh and drink my blood. It, probably the other gospel writers are like, I think I'm going to leave that out. <laughs> it's a little weird to explain, and I don't know how to do an asterisk in, in Greek and <laughs> in a footnote. Uh, uh, we'll just skip over to, to the institution of the Lord's Supper. But I believe that, 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 that the one thing that we can see that in the communion, the celebration of communion, Eucharist, the Lord's table, it's, it's a place where we take the body of Jesus Christ. We take the blood of of Christ and it reorients in our life. I don't think there's anything magical about communion. Okay. I, I think it's, I, I, I tend to, to fall on the point. I think it's symbolic. Maybe some of you were raised in traditions where you don't see it that way. And that's cool. No problem. But I think it reorients us to the, to the fact of Jesus. As we sang this morning, as faith saying, you are my daily bread. You are the one that sustains me. It's not my paycheck. It's not my pills that I take in the morning for dietary things. It's, it's, it's not my job. It's, it may, God may use these things. But ultimately, I feed on Christ. 
I feed on Jesus. He's the one that changes me from the inside out. So this morning, I just want us to close uh, with communion. That's your cue, Tevia. <laughs> Tevia's going to get my wife to help with the communion this morning. But I, I, I want us, as we get ready to take communion, I want us to reflect on this question. I put it on your outline there. How am I internalizing the message and the life of Christ? Is it just head knowledge to you? Or are you really seeking to feed on Christ? Am I simply looking for a Jesus who will take care of my physical needs? Or am I willing to follow wherever he leads to feed on his presence, to let his words take root in my physical, emotional, and spiritual life? You know, one thing we can see in this story, God is concerned with our physical needs. God feeds them in the wilderness, okay? God's not saying, oh, you stupid, hungry people, why don't you get more spiritual, okay? He's not saying that. It's not unspiritual to have physical desires. That's okay. But, but, but Jesus is saying there's, there's something even bigger than spiritual desires. Let your spiritual hunger draw you. Let your physical hunger draw you to, to your, your, your spiritual need. So this morning... We're going to close. I'd like to ask Faith to get back up, and we're going to, if, if you could just play that uh, Breathe song again, we're going to do communion. We're going to do it a little bit different than we normally do it up here. Um, normally, we have the little cups and the little bread where you take it back to your seat. Today, we're just going to use one cup and one loaf, and the way you do this is I'll have the loaf. My wife, Dina, will have the cup, and you just take a piece of bread off of it off of the loaf and dip it in the, in the you don't, don't worry, not everybody's got to drink out of the same cup. Uh, and just dip, dip the bread in the cup and then and take it that way. So um, I just want us to, the way we're going to do this this morning, hopefully if it's not too chaotic for those in the back, I just, instead of dismissing you row by row, uh, you might have to work this out with your row. Uh, <laughs> I just want us to kind of pause and reflect on God for a moment. That He is our life. He is our daily bread. He is the one that sustains us. And, and then when you feel, if, if you want to participate in communion, you don't even have to, okay? But if you feel like you'd, you'd like to participate in this, you believe in Jesus, well then, come on up whenever you would like. Okay? Is that good? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll switch your room. Why don't you stand? Lord, may your work and your plans, may your spirit and your character be completed in our lives, God. May we look for life from no other, for in you is true life. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings on you. Free to hang around for a bit. We'll probably put the chairs on the side so you can hang out. So if you got a chair, you can. If anybody likes some personal prayer, we'll we'll get some folks from our prayer team up here. Um, we'll see you next Sunday. God bless y'all. Thank you for coming.